Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation, Picard faces his most difficult mission, the long journey home. Seems to have made a rather disturbing discovery. A family reunion takes a twisted turn. What the devil happened to you up there? Turning brothers into bitter rivals. I even enjoyed bullying you. A tragic homecoming on Star Trek The Next Generation. Hello everyone and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek podcast. And today we're going to talk about the second episode of Season 4 of Star Trek Discovery, The Next Generation, titled Family, as we continue our discussing Picard series, which we've gone over Conspiracy, Q-Who, Samaritan Snare, Best of Both Worlds, and we're now at Family. If you want to look ahead or watch ahead, check out The Drumhead, because that's going to be our next review. But, like always, I am your host, Clarence. And I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Trek story himself. Jonathan Shorts, how you doing, man? Man, I am great today. I actually did some league bowling earlier and I kicked butt doing that. What? Made some people mad about it. So, you know. <laughs> Any turkeys, man? Any turkeys? We got to eat oh, out here. Man, listen, it was Thanksgiving all, <laughs> all day. I'll what? be turkeys. Oh man. And also on the call tonight, we have the Who story himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? Uh, pretty good. I can't say that I've had the day <laughs> that Jonathan's had, but I can say that I'm glad to be here. So yeah, there man. we go. We got to eat I'll out here in these streets. I'll send you a turkey, man. sir. I'll send you a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. That actually sounded like a triple. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice way to tie it in, Cal Jones. <laughs> Thank you, sir. And Clarence Brown, how are you? I'm doing well, man. Um, just chilling, living a life, man. Living a life. I'm, I have no complaints. Nothing as fun as, you know, three strikes in a row. But, you know, uh, I'll be okay. <laughs> if you like and want to support the show, we want you, yeah, you, you listening right now to leave us a review on the podcasting platform of your choice, preferably iTunes, but I'm sure whatever you're listening on, you possibly could leave in a review and you know, five stars. We love it. If you do that guys, uh, we really appreciate it. And also tell one of your friends about the show, the fellow Trekkie in your life. So man, we got some news guys. And unfortunately it's not good. So the Star Trek world universe has seen a death in the family this past month as Aaron Eisberg passes away at 50. Star Trek.com reads on September 20, September 21st, Eisenberg's wife, Melissa Longo, confirmed on Facebook that he passed at the young age of 50. Uh, and I'm going to read some of the byline on uh, Star Trek.com. Eisenberg described himself as an actor filmmaker and proud father and was a professional photographer who shot landscapes concerts corporate photography portraits and more but you know of course we know him as nog and when eisenberg was cast as nog the producers told him nothing about the character nor was he aware of many how many episodes that he'd be called upon to do as he told star trek.com in a 2012 interview i thought every episode i was doing might be my last episode Eisenberg ultimately played Nog in more than 40 episodes of DS9. He also portrayed Carr, the young Kazan Ogla, in Star Trek Voyager episode 
initiations. Anyone have any thoughts or memories of Nog or even Aaron himself that they like to share? Mm, this kind of hit home to me because, correct me if I'm wrong, Clarence, didn't you and I see him at Pensacon this year? Yes, yes. Well, I think it was a couple of years ago now, but yes, we well, did Was it see a couple him. of I couldn't remember if it was this year or if it was last year, but I remembered his panel that we saw him. And, you know, that just it, it just made me think that time is fleeting and appreciate people while they're here. That, you know, that was the big takeaway I had from that was someone that you had seen recently is gone and, you know, deep. So, um, you know, may you rest in peace and thank you for bringing the character that you did to Star Trek universe. So kudos. What sticks out the most for me and, I know I say I probably say this. I speak a lot about DS9 on this podcast, but I mean, it's some of the best acting ever. But and I don't know the specific title of the episode. But after Nog loses his leg in the oh, yeah. battle and he goes back to uh, to the station, and he's trying to cope with that man, like top notch acting, like really was a tearjerker episode all the way through from sad tears to happy tears. And I mean, he pulled it off perfectly, like. I don't know any other actor or any that could have pulled this off. And it's, it's just kudos to him, man. I've always said Noggles that that specific character. I never knew his name really until recently, but I mean, he was great, man. He was one of the best. Yeah. And, and, and we did, like Kyle said, have the opportunity to see him uh, on a panel at Pentagon. And one thing I didn't realize about him is that the guy is freaking hilarious <laughs> yes he is real really funny has jokes for days and um i just really enjoyed seeing him in person um on the panel and i you know when you speak of the ds9 i always mention that the jake cisco relationship is one of the things that i endured the most from that series <clears throat> but also you know you have to look at the friendship of of jake and nog you know <laughs> To, yeah. to go from being these two kids getting in trouble all the time to, you know, as I think Jeremy posted a meme of actually um, how Harry Kim was still ensign by the end of his run. And look, look at the journey Nog <laughs> took, man. Yeah, that's crazy. We did get to see some of the humor and some of the interviews during the DS9 documentary. Yes. Yes. Uh, certainly. And the fact that they're, uh, how do you say hypothetical continuation of the DS nine series kind of revolved around a lot around Nog's character, like going forward, becoming captain. And, you know, I mean that, that I, I, I thought that was pretty good. That was pretty cool. And he still gets ahead of Will Wheaton. So. <laughs> what I was going to say actually is a follow up something to you that you said, Jonathan, you know, you look at, the character of the Ferengis or the look of the Ferengis. And for all intents and purposes, it looks like they are comedic foils. You know, they're, they're there for comedy. And the fact that you guys can talk about how his character brought emotion to you, not as laughter, but as sadness that says great writing, but to have great writing, you also have to have great acting. So again, that's another Testament to him. Yeah, I mean, he along with Quark, um, and what's the other brother name? I'm thinking Rom. 
Uh, they managed to shape the Ferengi into something really cool. You know, from, from the first look you get of these guys, you wouldn't think they'd be your favorite characters, but lo and behold, these, that trio are able to, to make such memorable and long lasting characters, man. And, you know, it's sad to see them gone on, but, um, you know, rest in peace, man. Rest in peace. Well said. Now, a follow-up bit of news from that, you, and you may already have this in your notes, uh, but, you know, Will Wheaton decided, because Aaron Eisberg was a really, really good friend of his, he has never watched a DS9. So, in honor of him, he has started watching a DS9 series, and he's going to watch it all the way through. Yeah. Now, I find that really interesting. You know, if it had not been for us seeing Catherine Tate speak of how she's never went back and watched any of her Doctor Who episodes she was on. Am I right in that? Is, is yes, and, and, and it's funny because I was thinking the same exact yeah. thing. Yeah, if, if it had not been for her saying that, and she's a huge Doctor Who star, you know, it it's just puzzles me that she wouldn't go back and watch her own episodes. This case, a little bit different, but it is the next series after a series you've been on for seven years. You know, and you haven't even watched it, even after all of the acclaim and kudos that this series has gotten over the years. So, yeah, I found it very interesting that he's going back to watch now and then made a a, a pretty interesting piece to read. Um, And Will Whedon mentions like one of the reasons reasons he didn't initially watch is because he just burnt out and sort of like, you know, I I think of going back to Doctor Who. I think of uh, the the night doctor and how when he left, he, he was really done. He didn't want to have anything to do with it. And that's Christopher Elkison. He really didn't want to have anything to do with it once he was finished with his run. And I can see someone who's been on the series for so long and they just want to move on. And, you know, it's 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 cool that he's diving in now. So that. Yep. yep. Can't and, wait for and, the you know, follow up. <laughs> yep, article. Exactly. Exactly. All right, guys. Well, I think we have a pretty meaty episode to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about the next generation episode family. Star Trek, the next generation family originally aired on October 1st, 1990. The crew of the Enterprise returns to Earth for short leave for much needed downtime after their encounter with the Borg. While there, Worf gets an unexpected visit. Wesley gets an unexpected message and Picard pays a visit to his homestead after 20 years. Before we get into the details of this episode, guys, if you have not seen episode two of season four of The Next Generation entitled Family. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. All right, guys, we're back and we want to just get the high level view of this episode. And I'm going to start with none other than the Trek Storian. What do you think, John? I've mentioned this in a couple of episodes back, uh, but I think this is one of my favorite Picard episodes. Uh, we get a lot, a lot into <clears throat> the 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 structure of the character and Man, I love it. Just from the the setting that this this episode takes place, I love the tone of the episode. I love it's one of those you could just watch over and over and never get tired of. So I'm excited to talk about it. What about you, Mr. Jones? 
All right. For me, I think that anyone who's going to be watching the new Picard series, this should be required watching. Yes. Yeah, I mean, there there should be some type of you cannot view this new show without watching this because I know I've seen this. I remember it, but I've not probably seen it in 15, 20 years, if not more. But I loved this episode. It was amazing. So that's that's me from the high point view. Yeah. And as for me, I think this episode has maybe two scenes that are probably my favorite in Trek period. <laughs> and and we'll get into those, but just some of the best wow. acting and and memorable scenes in this episode that man, I just it 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 sums up everything Star Trek is and we'll get into it. So the Enterprise is docked at McKinley Station, of course, after having the the best of both worlds episode encounter with the Borg, um, regrouping after those events. And I think this episode is in kind of in three different arcs. <laughs> of course, we have the Wharf arc, the Crusher arc, and the Picard arc. We're actually going to hit the Picard arc last. We're going to start with the Wharf arc. So... <laughs> <laughs> Again, you got to think about this episode. It's it's entitled Family, and they definitely hit that right on the head with how we go in these different aspects of these characters. And the first one we're going to tackle is Worf. So we learned that Worf is going to get a surprise visit from his parents, you know, <laughs> to which he says it's inappropriate for a Klingon to see his parents while he's on duty, which I thought was really hilarious. Uh, we learned that Worf's father, Sergei, was an officer aboard Starfleet, USS Intrepid, and apparently very fascinated with Starfleet vessels. So I have to ask you guys, were Worf's parents anything like you expected them to be? And let's start with you, Cal. Mm, absolutely. They were nothing <laughs> like I expected them to be. I mean, but having said that, I think they were the perfect parents for him. I, 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 and I don't know why, but I, I just think that they could not have been better parents for him. Obviously, look at the way he turned out. So, yeah. but no, they were nothing, nothing like um, I would have expected. What about you, John? Uh, absolutely nothing like I would expect it, but I'm going to go to the opposite of Cal and say they did not, they, they don't fit for me. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know it really shouldn't fit. I mean, you're not expecting a clean on mother and, or, you know, vice versa, clean on father, but like, even, I don't know. I don't see any of their characteristics in war. Interesting. And, you know, I think you're right. And I've kind of pondered this a little bit. You know, wouldn't you think the jovial nature of a, of his parents lead him to be a little less Klingon? Cause they are, they're not muted in any sense. They're a very jovial people. You know, his dad can play freaking Santa Claus for all I care. <laughs> and, and, and you would, you would think that would lead him to be less Klingon in a sense. Or let me ask you guys, does the mere fact that he's physically so different lead him to fully embrace those Klingon values? Mm -hmm. Well, they did. I mean, at one part, they did say, you know, we kind of we kind of let him on his own explore his his culture, like on his own, like full no holes barred <laughs> exploring. So, I mean, I could see how he just went full on Klingon and it's in his blood. I mean, he. Yeah. If that's what he'll want to do. But 
I'm agreeing with you. Like it, you would, I would think he would be kind of, which he is reserved to be a clean on. He is. He <laughs> drinks prune juice, but his parents never knew he liked prune juice. So yeah. that didn't come from him. But it, it, I just, I'm like you, I, I still would have expected him to be a little more calm or have a little more leeway. Mm. See, see, I'm going to, I'm going to, even though there was something about, especially the father who annoyed me a little bit, <laughs> but, 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 but beyond that, I keep going back to Guinan, and, and I think Guinan is who's guiding my view of them by what she said to them later on in the episode about how, you know, they may not have known exactly what they were doing, but what they did do right was they let him choose to be himself. And when we're talking about people being, or, you know, a being, that is a physical Klingon, a lot of the things that are physical to a Klingon may not necessarily be just because you look like a Klingon doesn't mean that the aggression and the et cetera and so forth, maybe that comes with nurture, not necessarily, you know, the nature of what he is. So, you know, I, I do agree that there is a, you know, you you would probably think as bland as they seemed that he would have probably should have been more bland. But I think they just let him develop being whoever he was. And this is who he became. Yeah. And and you mentioned Guinan. And man, I mean, we've said it before, but Guinan is always there to say the right things at the freaking right time, man. And she has a conversation with his parents and she says, you know, she's seen Worf standing at that window looking out so many times and he's not looking toward the Klingon homeworld. You know, he's looking toward you guys. And whether that's true or not, I don't know. But man, Guinan is just always on top of it, dude. And listen, I think I mentioned this before. Like, to me, I think Guinan is more of the ship's counselor than Troy. Yes. Like, yeah. it, it really irritates me to pass three episodes that we've reviewed there was an instance where troy would were, were like counseling somebody and they were like well i don't know if this is blah 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 she said well what do you think well that's well, how like do a, you feel okay that's a classic right. counseling thing though i could yeah but you're 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 supposed you to be feel? a beta zoid you're feeling their emotions you're yeah i mean mm, i think okay. guidance helped more people psych psychologically than troy has so Here's my explanation and for that. Troy is the ship's guidance counselor. Guinan is the ship's advisor. Interesting. I could go with that. I could okay. go with that. Yeah, I mean, no but I doubt. still say Troy was a royster character on the show. <laughs> well, well, you have to think though. I mean, we're thinking more of what role she is meant to serve, but right. she does serve a lot of bridge purpose of being the one to say. Oh, that alien is lying. I can sense the anger, you know. Who's this valuable for Picard? I, I feel, you know. Yeah, yeah, I okay. guess. And when the series was originally developed, we did not have special guest star Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan. So maybe some of these lines, the look toward home, would have been spoken by Troy had yep. it not been for Guinan being there. Yep, yep, true enough. Yeah, good point. I don't know. Guinan just reminds me of like grandma. Like, you know, you, <laughs> you go home and talk to grandma because she always know the right thing to say. It may not sound like it makes sense, but like it just for some reason it does. 
and it helps. Yeah, well, and speaking of the title of this episode, family, she often serves as that family member to give you advice when, when it's much needed, you know? So she's that type of person. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know if you guys remember uh, this episode called Sins of the Father. And that is the episode where Worf meets his brother and the house of Moog is dishonored in order to keep Klingon, the Klingon Empire from going into utter chaos. Uh, so what do we think about the parents and their concern for, should they be worried or are they being just good human parents? Hmm. That's a tough one. I just think it's a balancing act. I mean, I, I, I don't know how to answer that because I don't, you know, not, I don't understand what he needs, but I, I think they that's the disadvantage they have is they are human. They have human emotions and not understanding the Klingon culture that, that you know, I, I just think they were who they were, whether that's right or wrong. I don't know. I just mm. I, I just don't know how to answer it. Yeah. Any thoughts, John, before I dive into? Well, go. I mean, go ahead. I, I'm kind of with Cal. It's not. I mean, I don't really see. I think they're just. That's all they can do is like, how are you doing? Like, I. But, I'm, I'm just thinking if I were in that situation, like, what do you say? Like, but, I can't bring your honor back. But you know what? So, so I'm curious your thoughts. But you know what's so beautiful about that? You guys just said it all. But isn't that all you really need? I mean, when you're going through a situation. And probably 90% of the time, even as an adult going through a situation, 90% of the time, your parents probably can't do anything about it. They probably can't do anything to help the situation. But what can they do? They can, they can come to you and say, we're concerned about you. They can give you words of reassurance. They can tell you they're proud of you. They can tell you they love you. And to me, that kind of sums up every arc in this episode is how they came and even though they couldn't do much, they were there to lend support and maybe not so much outwardly do something, but they can say the right words they needed at the right time. So and leave them in a better place. (laughs) Deep. I like that. Yeah. So let's move along to the crusher arc. Now this one was a lot shorter and you know, this kind of one I really, as I speak that it left, everyone in a better place having interactions with family. I'm not sure this one did exactly because of course, uh, Beverly, she has a message from Jack that he left for, uh, Wesley when he was a little baby. And you know what? I love this because I even thought of doing something like this myself for my kids. But I think ultimately what's, not so great about this message. It kind of left Wesley a little empty or was it just me thinking that? What What did you mm-hmm. guys, cause I don't know. What, what do you guys think of the situation? All right. So the way I look at it is you, you know, um, you have had the, you know, I don't want to say luxury. You've had the honor you grew, you, of growing up. You know, you you you've met your father. You knew your father, and you you don't have that yearning of not even knowing or ever having you know seen other than just a picture of your father. And I could only imagine from the Wesley's perspective, 
yes, you've heard stories and yes, you've seen pictures, but, but you have this moment now in this episode where technically not literally, but technically you're face to face and, and it the way they shot this is he's looking directly at Wesley yeah. and you're seeing this person that you've only seen in pictures and he's talking to you. Yes, and I, you know, and I think that, you know, yes, it, there's probably some sadness in the character after that hologram disappears of I want more because who wouldn't have wanted more? But it was something that he probably as a child had to formulate of this mental image. And now he has something that was real. So yeah. sad, yes, but I think that he would have rather have had it than not had it. Yeah. So, go ahead, Tyler. I'm so sorry. No, no. I was going to say I felt that same exact way about it until they. I think they messed it up on the last three frames or three seconds of that interaction because they had Wesley reach out for him, and as soon as he reached uh, out for him, he disappeared. So that kind of broke it for me. If not for that, I would have felt the same exact way you did. But that last little moment of him reaching out and him disappearing kind of felt just weird to me and, and left him wanting, you know? Mm, I could say that. Jonathan, so what do you I, think? Well, I kind of got a different. So I, because I'm, I've never known my father. I haven't grown up with a father. Like I kind of, I kind of can get the emotions in this. Like if I were in the same situation, like I'm thinking like there's, not necessarily a closer, but he's getting something he's wondered about his entire life. So, and it's similar to the long lines that you, you said earlier, Cal, he's, I mean, it's, it's, he's missing something as like an acceptance. So for instance, his dad was telling him, you know, about how dedicated he was to Starfleet and why it was such an important choice for him and how he would hopefully understand that sometime. But, you know, he said, well, you may end up being a doctor like your mom. <laughs> so, and a lot of, and a lot of, a lot of interactions with Wesley and his mom has been kind of a, you know, hey, you're going toward the Starfleet officer role, and I'm more wanting him to be more of a scientist, medical role. It's always been a kind of divide, and he's, you know, he's never really had that father saying, "Go get what you want. If you want to be an officer, you can be an officer." You know what I mean? And I took that as this interaction, like he got that approval from his father. Yeah, and and that, and he, and he, and you know, like you said, that reach out thing kind of broke it a little bit. But I, I think he's better off for it. I think he's going to be more aggressive now. Uh, I think he has a goal now. So, you know, a lot of kids say, I want to grow up to be like my father. Well, if you never knew your father, you don't really have that goal. And I think Wesley was kind of going without real goals. You know, his mom was a doctor. Yeah. But now he's like, you know what? My dad was an officer in Starfleet, and that's going to be me. Yeah. That is so beautiful to think about. You know, this little kid saying, I want to even not even ever meeting his dad uh, where he can recollect, you know, he's still like, I want to be like this guy. And, you know, the conversation when he says, you know, like you just mentioned, he want he may want to be more like his mother. I mean, that that's that's deep. <laughs> that's deep when he looks down and he has the the, the command uniform on. Right. It's crazy, man. I think it was a pretty, I mean, for it to be as short as it was, yeah, I think it, it, it did a lot. 
Uh, but I'm 100% agreeing with you. They could have left the little reach out, disappear thing, because they kind of just stuck a nail in it there. Yeah. yeah, I agree. You guys brought up a good point. I agree. So let's get into kind of the main arc of this episode, which is, of course, the Picard arc. And when I say Picard, I don't just talk about Jean-Luc. Um, Roberto, or how he says it, Robert, Robert, Ro- <laughs> Robert, 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 yeah, Robert. <laughs> oh, Jean-Luc. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, Picard or Jean-Luc, I have to say his name now since we have more than one Picard. Jean-Luc visits France, his family's, uh, vineyard in France after 20 freaking years. So before we get into the specifics of what he does there, why do you guys think he waited so long to return home? Any thoughts on that? And really, I don't know myself. I'm just it. I just can't imagine being away from home that long and not going to visit. Yeah, but think about it this from this point of view. We, you know, we travel. We travel states. They travel planets. You know, they pl- travel universes. So, and think about how f- quick. 2019 we're, we're we're right on the doorstep now this is the 30th of march when we're i mean excuse me 30th of september when we're recording this we're almost into october and it'll be 2020 before we know it so time flies that being said when he's off doing starfleet there may be five years before he three years whatever before yeah. he even comes back to earth yeah true but still, with the tr- with yeah. transporters being so pre- pre- prevalent now, you think he'd, you know, take a trip. Sure. Well, again, I kind of relate this to a personal life. I, it, you know, my, I rarely, like, I rarely talk to any of my family. Like, I've, I speak to my aunt who raised me. I probably speak to her once every three months. Not, not anything wrong there. There's no bad relationship. This is just... You know, in busy life, sometimes the timing is not there. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. especially my my other family in California, they're, I mean, we've never really just had a great relationship. It wasn't a bad relationship. But, you know, it's like I get home from work five o'clock in the evening and I have two hours to kill. Yeah. You know, am I going to call family or am I going to watch Star Trek? Am I going to go? <laughs> you know what I mean? And sometimes that just gets lost. And then you say, you'll think about it and you're like, I should call or I should go visit. And then you say, you know what? I got something else I'll do. I'll do that again next week. And then yeah. next week turns into next month. And next month turns into 10 years. And then all of a sudden it's been in the same way I feel after so much time. Like, then I'm kind of like, I want to call, but it's been so long. I feel bad for calling. Yeah. And then next thing you know, it's three more months gone by. And then the next thing you know, it's a year. And I kind of think that's where this is gone. Like, because he and his brother really don't have that, like, buddy-buddy relationship. It's like, only if I need to, I'll contact you. So I think it just got lost in time. And like Al said, I mean, it's probably five, six years between visits to Earth. Yeah. And then when he gets to Earth and deal with Starfleet and refits and crew exchange and like, I'm really going to take time to go see Robert. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Cause Very good point. Yeah. I, I definitely didn't <laughs> think that deep because <laughs> I thought he was just going to he was being one of those people that I've made it and I'm never visiting home again. That's what I thought. But your your analysis makes 
so much more sense. <laughs> yeah, and De- Deanna Troy finds it very interesting. That's her counseling thing she did for the episode. She found uh, it interesting, interesting that he'd go back home after so long. <laughs> yes. What do you think? <laughs> um, yeah. How do you feel about the situation? <laughs> you're supposed to be there to help him, and you're making it worse. The injuries are healing, at least the ones you can see in the mirror. <laughs> Counselor getting deep, yo. <laughs> so, of course, Picard goes down to the vineyard and he, uh, John Luke approaches, um, calling his nephew, Renee, Uncle Renee, you know, a high woman, high women, whatever. And again, like, I'm gonna go back to Wesley on this a little bit because it's always awesome to see how kids can have the freedom to say things and ask questions no adult ever would. <laughs> <laughs> we can, cool. again we kind of got this was Wes, with Wesley and Samaritan Snare. So he talks to Renee again who who he calls uncle and and starts to ask him some very you know contentious questions and even almost slips up and says uh, a, a pretty pretty bad <laughs> snare or sneer that his dad called uh John Luke. So why do you think these guys, and we're going to get into all of this, but just initially, did you guys have any clue or why these, they would have such a contentious relationship? Any clue at all? Cause we, this is the first time we hear of, um, Robert. 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 Mm. You, you know, I, this is one of the things that I really loved about this episode. And I think it's something that, no pun intended with the winery. It's something that you had to have age on you to appreciate a little bit more because I remember watching it first time through and not understanding the dynamic. I mean, I knew, okay, these two brothers don't get along and, you know, now they do or now they don't, et cetera, and so forth. But I think having the years and having those separations and having what, uh, Jonathan was talking about earlier about having your life happen and you choosing, do I want to relax a little bit or do I want to call a family member? And I I don't know. I just, I love this part of the story. This was by far my, my favorite part of the story. Mm. Any thoughts, John? Oh, well, you know, you can't, you kind of have to wonder like, I think I think Picard is going to always have it. Well, sorry, Sean Luke is going to always have it a little harder because just because of his fame, you know, you you're the best captain in Starfleet and you're captain the best ship in Starfleet, and you've just been like assimilated and then undone. Yeah, Oof. and your your crew just fought the Borg and you guys won and like you saved planet Earth and. Here you are walking down a driveway in a vineyard. And I, I mean, what else could you? I mean, I think he's going to be assumed arrogant anyway. And I I think, you know, we've always said that. I've said that a couple of times in a couple of episodes. He's always seemed kind of, and I haven't noticed it, but it's just kind of like, who are you to question me? Or, yeah. You know, you know what I mean? So it's an arrogance there. And I don't think he means to. Uh, but I wouldn't have expected it to be this bad as we're going to find out here soon. Well, I mean, you make a good point because I think that arrogance runs on both brothers. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. Both in different ways. <laughs> in different ways. Uh, Robert is betrayed by Jeremy Kemp, 
Um, and just a little background info, info on him. Sadly, he died in January of this year at the age of 84. So, wow. uh, and he had a long television and movie career. Um, yeah, I can't say that I've seen any of his productions other than this, but he's been in a lot of stuff. If you check out his IMDb, Jeremy Kemp. But yeah, definitely one of the most memorable performances. And when you think about this contentious relationship, you know, after having been away so long, now we don't, we don't know if they've never talked or they haven't done video chat or Skype or whatever they do in Starfleet. <laughs> we don't know if they haven't seen each other, but he certainly has not visited home in 20 years. And just think of the, how bad it would feel. If you went home after all this time and the person you were going to see wouldn't even turn and look at you, you know, yeah. I just like, man, that is so freaking deep, man. What, what it is, what is it between these two guys, man? If he can't even turn and look at his brother, he does, doesn't want to stop what he's doing, you know, just have this conversation. I'm going to keep messing with these grapes. <laughs> <laughs> that is freaking deep, man. Yeah. That, that kind of. I mean, that set the tone for the rest of the episode, I believe. Uh, but I will tell you what bothered me in that scene, and it's kind of petty. The way he was tasting the grape. He's <laughs> 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 just like smashing them into his face. <laughs> oh, man. I guess that's how you do it. I've never owned a vineyard. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a, we don't know how it's run. We don't know how the milk is made. Well, yeah. pretty sure it's not like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. People put them in a big thing and jump on top of them. So, hey, <laughs> well, I guess <laughs> to each his own. <laughs> OK, uh, we we kind of talked about, you know, the initial impressions of um, John Luke and Robert. So what about we're going to get into the nuts and bolts right here and talk about their overall relationship throughout the rest of the episode does it seem to be merely a difference in outlook or does it feel like outright jealousy science Mm. versus old values i mean how do we equate the difference in their relationships Mm. so i i take this as two strong-willed personalities who and I'm assuming based on the sons that they are, that their father was equally as strong-willed. And I saw two people who were equally struggling for the spotlight with their father, and they allowed animosity to build that started very, very small and just build and build and build and build. But that didn't tear away the fact that at the end of the day, they were still brothers and they still loved each other and they were still family. And I think that we saw throughout the course of this hour that building and building and building, they stripped away a layer and they stripped away a layer and they stripped away. And I think they finally saw themselves as human again. And, you know, and they they didn't see whatever it was that they had in their mind of, oh, well, he's too backwards and he's too old fashioned or he thinks he's, you know, all this and he thinks he's all that. They just finally stripped away and became, you know, realizing we don't have to agree with each other. But that doesn't mean that we don't have to like each other because of that. At least that's how I saw it. 
What about you, John? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I agree with you. Like, I think by the end of it all, I mean, we realize as the namesake of the episode, I mean, at the end of the day, you, we are family, you know what I mean? And no matter what the problem was, whether it's difference of outlook or jealousy at the end of the day, we are family and they can't be changed. But I, um, I think the, to me, I kind of got a lot of the problem. I think started out as jealousy yeah, and really from both sides uh, and they're not realizing it. And I think it turns into a, a facade of, Hey, your outlook is different from mine, but at the core of it was jealousy. But I think Robert was, were jealous, you know, Hey, my brother is like the most famous person in the <laughs> galaxy. Yeah. And everybody knows it. And I'll never measure up to that. But I think at the same time, Picard is kind of like, man, I just I'm, I don't have that solid foundation that you have. You know what I mean? I think Picard is a lot, lot of ways upset that I think Robert probably resembles dad more yep. Yep. than Picard than John Luke would. You know what I mean? And I think John Luke is kind of worried about that. Like, I wish I would have been more that way. Yeah, I mean, you have Robert uh, definitely taking up the family business. You know, he's living his life just as their dad did. And then you have the other side. You have, you know, Picard, who's, I mean, sorry, Jean-Luc, <laughs> who's out here following his dreams in a different way. And you see this all the time in movies where yeah. the, the, the father has a family business and he wants his kid to come and run the business another 20 years after he's gone. But, you know, sometimes that kid has a different dream. And, you know, I could see why uh, Robert would be upset about that, about, you know, this other kid who couldn't thought he was, Maybe too good. Oh, you're the valedictorian. You're all this. You're all that. They're going to have a parade in your honor. <laughs> and, and you want to leave and do your own thing. And, and honestly, it's just his calling. It was just his calling. But, you know, I can definitely see why that animosity would build up of, of you going out there and doing your old thing and not embracing these old values. You know, you drink Synthahol. That's like goes against everything our family uh, <laughs> is for. You know, we're winemakers. In- <laughs> but if you think about a lot of episodes in going forward and, and in the past, you know, when he's not, when he's way out in the galaxy dealing with intergalactic problems, he's probably relying a lot on his core home values you know yeah. what i mean yeah. like i've seen him on a number of occasions talk about how good actual wine is and you know speak of his knowledge of wine because his family owns a vineyard yeah uh, i mean it speaks the value of hard work and i think i think that's the battle he has going on now he's trying to decide if he's going to be starfleet because that's what he spent his life going after or is his heart really back home like and I think that's a battle he's having, and that's that's terrible. At least Robert hasn't figured it out. Like yeah. Robert knows what he's going to do. He's going to smash grapes in his face for the rest of his life and be happy. <laughs> but think about something for a minute. Think about how profound it was when Picard is at his lowest. Where does he find himself going? He goes home, and I think you know that's worth mentioning, regardless of oh well, it was a matter of convenience because they were repairing the ship. 
he could have stayed easily have stayed on the ship and never went down to earth, but he went home. So there was something in that character that needed whatever resolution it was that he found or was looking to find. He needed that because of what had happened to him. And I think Robert kind of got a feeling of that from that simple question. He said, did you shuttle in from wherever to here? And he said, no, I walked, Interesting. you know, Back like to the roots. Yeah. Like he, so Robert knew right then, like he's, he's looking for something. He's trying to come back. And I think at that point, Robert realized he had to push him one way or another, make him decide. Yeah. Because on the outset, I have to admit, I thought Robert was just being a a-hole. I thought he was mad at John Luke's humbleness. I thought he was angry because John Luke was such a winner, but man, somehow he knew. <laughs> He knew that he had to push him to this emotional brink to be able to pull out, you know, that tone that he really needs to talk about, about what happened. Yeah. So let's talk about that actual tone. Um, Robert's curiosity in the ensuing discussion. Uh, you know, they have the walk outside of the, into the vineyard. They have the walk in. <laughs> man, he is just lighting Pic- uh, John Luke up. He is lighting him up, man. I always yeah. thought you need a, a little humiliation or, or is it humility? <laughs> He's just. Yeah. He, he said humiliation and humility. He is lighting him up, man. I'm like, Robert, you are such a freaking bully, man. Such a freaking bully. <laughs> And Picard said that at one point, like, you've always been a bully to me. Yeah, man. Uh, Yeah, that was bad. Like, he was egging him on and egging him on. And I tell you, it was a sense of relief when Jean-Luc, like, just (laughs) swung and hit him. I was like, thank you. Knock his teeth out. Do what we all want to do. (laughs) But unfortunately, isn't that sometimes the only, you know, the necessary evil you've got – you got to have some kind of catalyst to break that down that or the wall that you built between the two of you. And you had to have the unfortunate, you know, I'm not advocating violence in any way, but you had to have the physical confrontation to basically break down the wall of 20 something years that they had built between each other. Hmm. Yeah, no, see, that's, no. see, that's how I, I never really interpreted it as him pushing John Luke. My whole interpretation was that there was stuff that they had said to each other that they let build for 20 years and then the wall came down and then they saw each other for family again. That was my entire interpretation of the whole thing. Hmm. Interesting. When the walls fell. What's that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a future episode of uh, Darmok and oh, July. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a shocker when the walls fail. <laughs> oh, boy. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, again, again like it, it, it's so funny how, I mean, I don't know if I completely agree with your assessment, Cal, because I think, I mean, at first I thought Robert was being just a freaking jerk. But I have to go back to John's point. John, he somehow knew what what John Luke needed. I don't know how he knew that, but he somehow knew that. And Robert goes instantly from being the biggest jerk in Federation history to being an excellent brother. <laughs> and mm, I give you, yeah, I give you that. And, and, and I think what happens is he had to break, he had to break John Luke down 
for Jean-Luc to rebuild himself emotionally because right. he's holding all that in all this because he can't talk to anybody. He can't even talk to the counselor. Um, quote unquote counselor. He just keeps asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> if they would shoot have punched him in the face then he wouldn't have had to go home. <laughs> he could have avoided all this. He would have saved him a trip. <laughs> But but uh, of course, Jean-Luc goes to say, like, with what are some of the most profound words in one of my favorite scenes in, in all of Next Generation. They took everything I was. They used me to kill and destroy and I couldn't stop them. I should have been able to stop them. I tried. I tried so hard. I wasn't strong enough. I should have been able to stop them. And the emotion on his face as he had, you know, you could barely see his face because of the mud, but the emotion on his face uh, when he gave that little monologue there, it, uh, freaking amazing. Freaking and listen, amazing. can you not agree? Oh, this like was some of the best acting on his part I've ever seen. Like, and after watching this, uh, the other night, like I tried it. I like seriously try to like have a real deep chuckling laugh. That turns into a real deep cry. <laughs> yeah. And pull it off. You can't do it. It's, it's impossible. I tried. It's, I mean, you cannot make that up. Like, that was almost real. Like, he, yeah. I mean, usually you see that and you can kind of tell that tra- that transfer. You know what I mean? But he, like, it was all emotion flowing. And I, whether it was real or not real, man, that was some great, great acting on his That's part. That's why they used the mud. That way we couldn't see yeah, it. Yeah, totally. True. Man, phenomenal. Freaking phenomenal. Man. You know, well, that's kind of what boys do. Boys fight. And, you know, we often make up after the fight. Um, uh, you know, I think it's kind of those simple things that we experience that shape us. Um, and again, if we go back to kind of the through line in this whole episode, the, the value of advice and tough love from a family mem- member, <laughs> uh, you know, can help us out, can, can help Fair. us through a thing. You know, and it's, that's just, man, man, I, again, like I thought Robert was like, I hated him <laughs> until, until <laughs> he just flipped on the dime and, you know, he had that, I don't know if it's age and wisdom, but something allowed him to, uh, be that thing that, that John Luke needed. And I just thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Very well said. So real quick, I'm going to talk about the other little bit in that in this Jean-Luc arc is when he got the offer to leave Starfleet for Sequest. <laughs> really? Did, did you guys ever think he would take the offer? Or of course we knew he wouldn't, but I thought it was funny that he even entertained the offer. What do you guys think? Mm. Yeah, I, I I I whenever they even acted like he was entertaining, I was like, okay, there's got to be something that pushes them back to the enterprise. So, I mean, no, I, I, I just felt like they needed space to fail, to be honest with you. Really? I liked, I liked the little, because again, like we have to think of the magnitude of the situation. He has probably went through one of the worst things any human can go through and survive. And that would make you question what you're doing. You know, it make you question your path. Even though he knows he's he's supposed to be a captain, that's his destiny. But man, I, I just feel the impact of something happening happening to him that is so bad 
that it makes him think there could be another thing that he can do and be happy. And, you know, I think that's kind of what we got throughout his arc is that he's just questioning his existence. That's why he's home. <laughs> I don't know. What about you, John? Any thoughts on it? I, I, I mean, I, I kind of agree with Kyle. It kind of seems like just something they threw in there. I think it had to be there. As you said, he needed he were he was looking for options, you know what I mean? He was looking for things. He was looking for reasons. And well, here here's a reason. I think if he was not in the emotional state he's in, he would have he would have never entertained this at all. Yeah. But because he was in this state, I think he entertained it. But again, I don't think it held a lot of weight in this episode. Uh I think if we would have if it have been an archaeology archaeology mission or like expedition that he was going to head up. I think it would have been more believable. Ah. Uh, I, I just don't, I, it didn't seem like it interested him other than the fact that it was not grapes and vineyards. It was science <laughs> and technology. Yeah. Yeah. I can get that. So, um, yeah, I just want to end off with, you know, one of, the things that I think embodies all the optimism that Star Trek should be. And that's like the last minute of the episode when they go to Robert and his wife and they are looking out at their son and, and um, they're like, he's still out there dreaming about starships and adventures. And um, yeah. And, he, and Robert says, uh, let him dream. And the shot that they have of him sitting on the lawn under the tree in the sky in the background, I just thought it was phenomenal and yeah. pretty much embodies yeah. everything Star Trek is, you know, right. just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And, you know, I think honorable mention needs to go also to the actress and the character of Robert's wife, because she seemed to be like the glue or the, yeah. the, um, reasoning force between the two of them <laughs> getting along. Sorry. So kudos to the way she portrayed that character because it was very well done. Yeah, very she, much. she was excellent. It's funny how they both loved her, but <laughs> couldn't get along with each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was great in this episode, I must admit. All right, guys, well, we're ready to wrap this up. Any other thoughts before we uh, close down a review on this episode? How does it affect Picard going forward? Any any thoughts on that? Does he go back into Starfleet charged and primed and ready to to uh, get back to his old self? I think he's going to go back a lot more grounded. So as 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 I've said again a few times, these past few episodes we reviewed, he kind of had this arrogant, like I'm the captain type feel. I think he's going to go back in kind of more grounded, like still in charge and still confident. But, hey, I've just been. Like I've almost died or I mean, basically did die. I was assimilated by the Borg. Yeah. I almost gave up my Starfleet career. And the only person who could save me was a person that hadn't done twice as what I've done in the world. And he had more advice for me than my crappy counselor. <laughs> but like, I, I think all of that is going to go to kind of bring like ground him a little bit. Like, I think the way he's going to approach things are going to be a little less like I'm going to tackle this because I'm the captain and that's Starfleet's way to, more of a Janeway type approach or a Cisco type of approach. You know what I mean? That I, That's yeah. where I think he's going with it. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Any thoughts, Cal? Well, the, you know, one thing I would like to mention before we 
uh, wrap up that I found really interesting in researching for this episode is this episode almost didn't get made and they had to push and push. I think it was Michael Pillar uh, that was pushing to have this made and follow up completely, you know, after, you know, the last episode. And the pushback was they were not a serialized type show and they need to be self-contained. And that I think Roddenberry hated the script. So really, I'm, yes. And wow. I'm very, very glad this got made because it's been very well received. I think it was nominated for an Emmy, the you know, the year that it came out. But it almost didn't get made. I'm so glad that it did. You know, I can see, <laughs> I can see that he did. I mean, Roddenberry has never been one for the emotional side of a story. You know what I mean? He's, he's been all about the tech and the, I, I, I can see Roddenberry not liking this, but I had no idea that this was one of those and it didn't get made. Like to me, I think this is one of the most important episodes in the series. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, man. I bet you somebody has got a told you so stamped on her face right now. Exactly. <laughs> and it's cool to see that this little bit of serialization, just this little, little smidgen of serialization in, in TNG, uh, you know, with the arc, uh, the best of both worlds arc. And then this episode, I found it w- comforting to see that. <laughs> yeah. I liked it. I like it. Well, I think that, you know, he finally won over the, over the concept of something that you guys have hinted on throughout this episode, which is you just had this horrible thing happen. It's not realistic. If you want Star Trek to be so realistic and try to be as realistic and seeming as possible, it doesn't make sense that in the very next episode, he's back to the captain and nothing's <laughs> as wrong. usual, huh? <laughs> yeah, I agree. That would have kind of made things weird awesome well guys we are wrapping this up and we're gonna go around the horn and you know if you're not working on anything interesting you know maybe what you've been watching or what you've been listening to so we'll start off with cal jones man what have you been working on podcast related or otherwise all righty so i will say watching wise i'll go a little different watching wise Fear the Walking Dead ended season, I think, five. And season 10 of Walking Dead starts this week. So excited. So other than that, I would say anybody that's a Doctor Who fan, check us out on DiscussingWho.com. Wow. Are people still excited about The Walking Dead? I, I guess so. Huh? <laughs> I am. So I'm people. So <laughs> You're people. I'm people. I, I have yet to watch an episode of Walking Dead. <laughs> You'll get hooked, man. You'll Somebody hooked. told me it's not about the zombies. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, but he didn't take that person's advice. He took a, a advice of a popular YouTuber. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> so, sad, so man. What have you been working on, podcast-related or otherwise? Uh, man, absolutely nothing. I actually have been working on myself a lot here, trying to. I've been getting in the gym a lot more, trying to get a healthy me. I'm actually planning. We have a uh, Halloween party to go to closer to the end of the month. And I proposed to my wife. No, not proposed. (laughs) I (laughs) 
threw out the idea that we go as Starfleet officers. Awesome. <laughs> but those costumes are going to require not quite as much belly as I have. Uh-oh. But that's not, that's not the main reason I'm doing it. I mean, I really am trying to, you know, just be a healthier me. So I've been spending a lot of time in the gym if I'm not at work or bowling. Um, so I hadn't really been watching much of anything. I think I might pick up on that uh, Walking Dead. Uh, but I do have one bit of news I didn't get to earlier that I wanted to share with you guys that I kind of ran across today. Uh, it has been said, and I don't really know. I th- oh, okay, I think it was Doug Jones' character kind of gave us a little spoiler hint like thing here. And he, anyway, he, they say they're going to. They went into the future. Discovery went into the future to the thirty-second century. And we're going to find get to find out what happens to Starfleet after all of the series. Hmm. And this is where they're going to be staying. So it's uh, it's going to be a lot of information on like the current state of Starfleet compared to what we're used to. See, man, I'm fascinated by that, but I still don't know how I feel completely because the fact that it's so disjointed from what we, you know, with Picard, we're getting like the, you know, true 20 years later from, you know, where the last series left off. It is so weird that they're so far in the future, not connected uh-huh. to anything directly. Of course, you know, they're connected to the past episodes, the past shows by being in the future. But man, I don't and know. he he goes on to say that making contact with the Federation in this timeline will affect Saru's role aboard Discovery. Interesting. Hmm. So he's not going to be acting captain any longer. <laughs> uh, maybe he will be captain mm. or maybe that far in the future. His people are no longer welcome in the Federation. Oh, man. In Starfleet. Yeah. Mm. Might be inter- interesting. I don't know, man. It's I, I'm just going to watch and not have, <laughs> you know, you're going to be able to watch and not be have any baggage. <laughs> yeah. It should be. Uh, also, they say uh, Jonathan Frakes is going to direct two more episodes in the coming season, which I didn't know. So, it's going to be pretty good. So, do we know when we're going to get season three of Discovery? Are we thinking Not late, yet. early summer, maybe? It just mm. says 2020. That's everything I've read. It just says 2020. Awesome. Well, as for me, I can't wait and I'm excited. As so. for me, we can't wait either. Oh, wait, wait, wait. One more thing. That we didn't mention, uh, you know, there's a petition now to have a, a statue of Nog erected in front of Starfleet Academy in the new Picard series. Um, I don't so, know about that. They'd have to give him a pretty fantastical ending story. in the in the yeah in the actual show to make that work. Yeah. And and no dis and this is in absolutely no disrespect to Eisenberg, but if you did for one, you know, it's almost like you need to do for everyone. Yeah. Where's the Lena Nimoy statue? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. Very true. 
Well, darn it, I was going to go sign that petition, but never mind. <laughs> hey, I'm not telling you what to do here. You're going to do what you feel. Follow your heart, you know. Just like Picard did and got the heck out of there. Uh, so, uh, guys, uh, I'll say if you want to check more of me out, this is my shout-out for this episode. Uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Wudan Ball. And that came from a Jedi name generator in the 90s, Wudan Ball. Yeah, that's me. So, also, <laughs> if you're interested in following any of the show's social medias, you can follow us at Discussing Trek. You can hit us up by email fans at discussingtrek.com and also be sure to go to Facebook and, and actually follow us there and leave us a line. So guys, I don't have anything else and thank you for joining us for this review and until next time guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. If you enjoyed this podcast, you may also like Relativity is an audio drama serial about two people A woman on Earth And a man in space Struggling to remain connected To help one another through life and death situations Their only link across the vast emptiness of the cosmos Is the sound of each other's voices Find out more at RelativityPodcast.com Relativity.